New Year, New England, right? As the song goes, things can only get better. We hope. Tends to be the hope that kills us. On with the show. Hello, it's me, Peter, and today I'm talking to you about cricket. Specifically, I'm going to be looking ahead at the fourth test of this Ashes series. The first test of 2022 between England and Australia. It's going to start on Tuesday, 11.30 UK time at the famous, stunning Sydney Cricket Ground, or SCG. It's a special test too, as it's the pink test for the Jay McGrath Foundation. Sadly, Glenn McGrath will be unable to take part in the first two days of the test because of a positive test for COVID. But it's hoped that by day three, which is actually officially the Jay McGrath day, he will be back. It has been discussed that these last two tests are dead rubbers. And I've fallen into that trap too, thinking the same thing. But I have forgotten, and many others have forgotten as well, that there are still World Test Championship points at stake. Pride, potential championship points, are therefore on the cards, up for grabs for England. For Australia, all that combined with the prospect of another 5-0 whitewash of their closest enemies can be added to that list. I'm going to look ahead at the teams, and I'm going to have a look ahead at the pitch as well. Starting with England. And, well, if things weren't bad enough for England, surely this disjointed, challenging build-up because of Covid outbreaks has added onto all the pressures that we're already facing this England team. There are four coaches in isolation, one of them including Chris Silverwood, who was unlikely to be uh, part of the squad for the fourth test anyway, but is hopeful to be back by the time that it comes round to the Hobart test. There's a lot of talk at the moment around the role of Joe Root and Chris Silverwood in the team, but you feel that neither of them can step down from their role right now. It would be a mistake for them to do so, considering A, there are still two tests to go, and B, there is a lot of fallout to take from the whole series rather than just the first three test matches. Not only has there been a lot of talk about the role of Chris uh, Silverwood and Joe Root, but there's also a lot of talk about what the team is going to look like. Because honestly, at the moment, who knows what the team could look like. They are a side low on confidence, low on form, and when you've been battered pretty much every single test and you're 3-0 down, it's hard to find a first 11 that deserves to be, uh, well, the first 11. Joe Root, David Milan, maybe are exceptions to that. Jimmy Anderson as well, if he was younger, would probably be an exception to that as well. The first three names that come to mind that have had reasonable Ashes series. So, do England tinker with the batting options? Does Rory Burns come back after being dropped for a test? would seem a bit odd, but Hamid has been found out by the Australian quicks and is looking incredibly short on confidence. That duck that he got in the last test being a very good example of this. Does Dan Lawrence get a go? Just because we've got two games left, the series is already lost. And does, and does that mean that others drop out? 
Does Joss Butler drop out? Does, as I said, Hamid drop out? To be honest, I really don't know if anyone coming in would strengthen our batting lineup. Anyone that's in that squad in Australia at the moment, I don't think anyone would strengthen that, that first 11. So I don't think there is much point changing anything now. And besides, it'd be worth seeing whether people like Hamid and whether people like Butler can take on that pressure when it is the highest. Can they get a result? Can they get some runs when they are feeling up against it? Because that's what test cricket is at the end of the day. It's the most, uh, it's the closest inspection of your technique that there is. And it should be. On the bowling option, uh, Ollie Robinson now has played three tests in a row. He's the only one of our bowling lineup to have done so. He is likely to get a rest. I'd imagine he'll get a rest considering that he looked particularly quite tired in the Melbourne test, even though he's had a few extra days of rest from from the Sydney or towards the Sydney game should I say. Does Stuart Broad get a game? There's been a lot of talk about Stuart Broad's time with England. Does he retire now and take up a contract with Sky Sports before the West Indies series in March? Does Jimmy Anderson have a, have a swan song in Australia and play the last two games as well? I think England here at this present moment have to wait and see what the pitch does before they announce their squad for the next game. That's what I would be doing, and I'm sure that's what they are thinking as well. Would I give Stuart Broad a go? Yes. I think he deserves a go. I don't really understand why he hasn't had a go in this series so far, or at least he's been picked for the wrong test so far anyway. Would I give Jimmy a go? One of the two. That's what I would say. One of the two, at least. Interestingly enough, though, thank you, for, by, by the way, should I say, for the comments that some of you have been leaving. They've been really thoughtful and, uh, and, and have shown a good understanding of the predicament that England are in. One of the ones that I saw that's particularly stood out to me is that I was suggested, or someone suggested to, to me, that Chris Wopes should play again. This time, though, with Davin Milan or Joe Root, I would say Milan opening with Hasib Hamid. Or Zach Crawley, probably Zach Crawley, and Chris Wokes coming in because he's actually shown a bit of a fight with the bat. I don't think that sounds too ridiculous, to be honest. It's worth trying. We've tried everything else and it hasn't worked, so why don't we try that as well? I think that could work too. Australia, though, on the other on the other side of it, have just problems that are good to have. Really, England would be actually quite jealous of having those problems. Smith has been interviewed recently and said he's not feeling that he's been in or in the greatest form recently. He has had some good, had a good knock in Adelaide, but has been kept quite quiet apart from that in the rest of the series. But considering that only Cameron Green is the, is the other person in the top order to not make a 50 in the entire of the series so far, they can get, they can get by without having one of the best batsmen in the world make runs, which is crazy to think. Australia have been in that good form with the bat or England above that poorly. I can't can't quite work it out to be honest. The only person that is particularly missing at the moment from their batting order is of course Travis Head who tested positive recently for Covid. Usman Khawaja is likely to replace Travis Head and Mitchell Maas and Josh English have come in to bolster the squad. Nick, Ma Nick Madison is also on standby because Marcus Harris was dining with Travis Head and could be considered possibly a close contact and is possibly going to be testing positive in the near future as well. So Nick Madison is on standby too. 
On the bowling side, Australia seem to have seem to have an endless supply of fast bowlers who can come in and take up the the the, the ropes in the exact same position that they were left in. Uh, we've got Richardson, who had a fantastic game in Adelaide, took a five for there that could come back in. Hazelwood is back in training, and I would say that if he's fit, he plays, which means that Scott Boland, after taking six wickets for seven runs, could be losing his place for the Sydney Test. He was a horse for a course, but I would feel it would be quite unlucky if after that amazing performance in the second innings, he was dropped from the team. Hopefully, if he's dropped from the Sydney game, he gets a go in Hobart, but I do feel for him a little bit. There was a lot of talk as well about Mitchell Swepson getting a debut, the leg spinner for Australia, but this brings me on to the pitch. Uh, where it has been looked at, and the Aussies, Nathan Lyon, like I said to you before, he knows a thing or two about pitches. He's been commenting on the amount of grass on it two, two days out from the game. Uh, obviously, it will be cut. How far it's cut, we'll have to wait and see. And if it's left with a lot of grass on, it perhaps won't get that turn that the SCG is famous for towards the end of the test. So perhaps Mitchell Swepson won't get a go. Also, on the same front, the forecast is not particularly good for the next few days in Sydney, particularly on Wednesday and Thursday when there are showers and storms and heavy rain expected. That La Nina that I spoke about right at the start of this Ashes series seems to have finally had a bit of an impact on, the, on, on, on this series. I think Swepson will probably miss out with those two factors, the pitch and the forecast, where it becomes a bit harder to... to uh, to spin the ball in damp conditions, I think Swepson might sadly miss out. What do I think the result may be? Well, I think it first of all depends on the weather. We've got two days of cricket that probably will be significantly limited because of it. And it also depends on how much England's disjointed build-up. Let's not forget that they had to get rid of all of their net bowlers uh, a few days ago because of a test, a positive test within the net bowlers. So it depends how much that disjointed impact affects a team that are already very low on confidence and very low on form. Because of the weather, and maybe some New Year hope, I'm going to play safe and I'm going to say that it is going to be a draw in Sydney. And that will be all for me today. Thank you very much for sticking through the whole video. Thank you very much for your support over on this channel for the last few weeks. And... Hopefully it will stick around and you guys will stick around as we go into the tail end of this series. For now, sports fans, Happy New Year. I'll see you soon. Bye.